Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. relatively slow start to the current impeachment effort that House Republicans are making and the sort of reported rumor that they... I hate it when the audio's too low. You think you got it, right? But I love how the Democrats can't accept the fact that Joe Biden may have done a lot of ugly things. This whole impeachment inquiry is it's just a sham and it's all about Trump. Uh, I think our question is impeach for what? Um, impeach who uh, and impeach for what? Um, this is, again, you know, censures, expulsions, impeachments. Uh, this is just what they are concerned about uh, within their within their conference. This is what keeps them together. This is what binds them together. It isn't an agenda that they are for. It is a person that they are against. Isn't that the Democratic Party regarding Marjorie Taylor Greene, regarding uh, Donald Trump? Isn't, isn't this exactly it? It seems that the argument here from Congressman Aguiar uh, is is a bit shallow, but I'll get into where we are with the impeachment conversation coming up. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-468-8669-833. Got uh, Tony. Well, I'll I'll get to the Israel stuff soon enough, just in terms of the latest. It was a one-two punch of of, uh, posts there on X that was worthy of discussion because it was a great example of how people can be right on one subject and wrong on another. And you have to decide whether or not you're going to vilify these people or just state that they're wrong. Richie Torres is one of these people, congressman from New York, Democrat, who has been outstanding in his uh, being uh, pro-Israel and standing up to the radicalness of the Democratic Party that is quite obviously pro-Hamas. And there is audio out of Oakland to prove this. It's madness. It is a pro-Hamas party. We'll get to it in a second. But Richie Torres put out on uh, X, fiction, Democrats are anti-Israel and Republicans are pro-Israel. Fact, In 2023, the only representative to vote against a resolution affirming Israel's right to exist was a Republican, Thomas Massey. Fact, in 2021, the only senator to filibuster Iron Dome was a Republican, Rand Paul. And he finishes it by saying, beware of false narratives. Correct. Beware of false narratives, Congressman Torres, like this one. It is agreed that Thomas Massey voted no on a resolution regarding Israel. 
And he said, well, see, the problem is that it's, it's trying to conflate anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism with all due respect to Congressman Massey out of Kentucky. And I like him on, on a great number of policy issues. Your issue with Israel is very, very obvious at this stage of the game. I've given you the latitude. I now don't understand what's going on. The people who support Hamas are not people who think that the existence of Israel or that the Israeli government is the issue. They think Jews are the issue. Could we please not lie to ourselves and not think ourselves such intellectuals that we can overcome this reality? All the doctorates in the world and all the engineering understanding in the world doesn't change reality. You didn't want to vote for the legisl- for for the resolution because you think it would have condemned or hurt the people who are anti-Zionist, and that should not be conflated with anti-Semitism. The anti-Zionists are the ones who will tell you that Israel made it all up regarding the October 7th attack from the terrorist Hamas. They think that Israel shouldn't be able to respond. They think that Israel should just take it. All the death, all the murder, all the everything. Uh, Congressman Massey, this is the, you, you're not having you're not engaged in an intellectual pursuit here. But the point to Senator to, to Congressman Torres is that yes, the only representative to vote against this was Thomas Massey, a Republican. Twenty one members of Congress weren't there. Rashida Tlaib voted present. And does it matter what they vote for in a resolution? It matters what they do. It matters how many uh, Democrats are opposed to Iron Dome funding to begin with, or how many people are opposed to Iron Dome funding to begin with. You know, how Israel survives. And it certainly matters when members of Congress, your party, chant from the river to the sea, befriend Jew-hater Louis Farrakhan, speak to Jew-hater Jeremy Corbyn. It matters if if, if a member of the Republican Party was having coffee with David Duke, you'd lose your mind. Well, Jeremy Corbyn, David Duke, I mean, if you want to make the, the comparison, feel free. But you don't get you don't get a get out of jail free card. This is nonsense. Nonsense. We can clearly see that the Republican Party is far more pro-Israel than the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party did not want to move the embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv, claiming that it would cause problems. But Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Why don't we check with the Democratic Party and see if they think that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel? Congressman Torres, what are you doing? Rand Paul opposed and engaged a filibuster on Iron Dome. I think it was a conversation about spending back in 2021. And sometimes you'll have people taking that argument. If you're opposed to spending outside of the United States, you're opposed to spending outside of the United States. I am not totally opposed to spending outside of the United States. I am opposed to a great amount of spending. This brings us to Rokahana when it comes to spending. He writes the congressman from California, part of the Progressive Caucus. The national debt, he writes, was caused by four things. One, Reagan's tax cuts. Two, Bush's tax cuts. Three, Trump's tax cuts. And four, Bush's overseas wars. 
He continues, we don't need a fiscal commission to study it. Everyone knows Johnson's, meaning Speaker Johnson's, fiscal commission will recommend cuts in Social Security and Medicare. Instead, we need to end the tax breaks for the ultra-rich and make a moonshot investment in American industry. I responded to Congressman Kahana. The national debt was caused by four things. One, spending more than we take in. Two, spending more than we take in. Three, spending more than we take in. Four, spending more than we take in. It's that simple. It is that simple. You get deficits by spending more than you take in, and then you have to borrow. Deficits happen yearly. Debt is the accumulation, the totality of the deficits. So if you bring in $3 million, but you spend $4 million, you have a million-dollar deficit. Now that becomes the debt. You do it again the next year, $3 million bring in, spend $4 million, it's another million-dollar deficit, another million you're borrowing, you have $2 million in debt. That's how it works. The idea that debt is caused by tax cuts is to say that the people do not deserve their own money. It is to say some Americans should be punished for their success. Never a conversation that the people who pay no taxes should pay something, something. Now, you could argue they pay something, right? They pay a sales tax, and they pay a this tax and the other tax. And, of course, inflation is a tax uh, in, in and of itself. But the idea that this group of people over here have too much as determined by the government and therefore should pay more is as despicable and low class as it gets. It's evil. It's hatred for the citizen. And I would argue to Congressman Kahana, who has been fantastic in the conversation about free speech, specifically about X Twitter and things that have happened, he has been tremendous. But this is just partisan nonsense gobbledygook. Tax cuts mean the people get to keep more of their own money. That's good. Whether it was Reagan, whether it was Bush, whether it was Trump. Now, when you talk about war, we can discuss and we might agree that we spent all this money in Afghanistan and what do we get for it? They couldn't govern and protect themselves for 10 minutes. The minute we pulled out, which, by the way, led to the killing of 13 soldiers and never mind all the people we left behind. Joe Biden did that. They couldn't protect themselves for a second. What the hell were we doing? (laughs) What do do we spend all that money for? What do we give up all that treasure for? What do we give up all that blood for? To not train these people? And as a matter of of follow-up, when do all the generals who decided the policy get fired? When do they get busted down to, I don't know, a major? I'm not kidding. 20 years, all that money, all of that blood, these people could have protected themselves for 15 minutes, 13 minutes, two minutes. It didn't matter. And I think that you might find a lot of agreement with that. A tremendous amount of agreement. But the issue regarding debt is spending more than you have. This is basic economics. And with all due respect, Representative Kahana, your politics stink. They stink. 
because you are engaging in politics for something that should be engaged with via economics. We have to spend less. That's the honest approach. The honest approach, Representative Torres, is not to ignore what these two Republicans did, but take a look at what the totality of the Republican and Democratic Party are doing when it comes uh, to Israel and when it comes to Jews, and you see with clarity and no moment of hesitation that the Republicans are clearly pro-Israel in the main and the Democrats are clearly anti-Israel in the main and without question anti-Semitic. In the main, it's not a debate, Congressman. I know this because I have on this program lauded your statements and said, my gosh, look at this Democrat. Why? Because it's so rare. It is so rare. And yet the president, your party leader, caved and in my view has sided with Hamas. I'll get into that story coming up. This is Tony Katz today. Remain calm. That uh, that virus going around uh, uh, China, it's 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 nothing. It's nothing. It's not a big deal. It's just uh, uh, caused by the flu and and other known uh, viruses. It's nothing new that's putting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, in hospitals in Beijing and other places. No, it's totally fine. You have nothing to worry about at all. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, I think we might open up the phones today, Producer Jason, 833-468-8669, got Tony, there has been this massive surge of respiratory illnesses taking place in China, and the World Health Organization is like, hmm, tell us more, so we'll know how to suppress it and not tell anybody. Uh, They're like, what's going on? And uh, people weren't sure. Uh, According uh, to uh, China, it's caused by the flu and other known pathogens and not by a novel virus, as in COVID being a novel virus. Believe them if you will. An overlap of viruses such as influenza, rhinovirus, respiratory syncytial virus, known as RSV, or adenovirus, as well as uh, some bacteria. That, according to the National Health Commission. I would believe you, China, if when COVID had taken place and you first noticed it happened, if you had said the following. What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. But you didn't do that. You did not do that. You didn't tell anybody. You didn't say a word. You just looked around the globe and stated. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. And then, of course, people died. People forget that people died during COVID. Not everybody. 
it wasn't the killer that people wanted to describe it as. It really depended on age. It depended on health in general and comorbidity. Certainly, it depended on obesity. It caused me to lose weight. It didn't take much. You started seeing her like, wait a second, that's a thing. You know what? Not interested in that thing. It's probably better for me anyway. If this is going to be the impetus, fantastic. Let's go to work. You lied, China. That's who you are. You're a bunch of liars. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. No, 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 it's not. No, it's, it's, it's fact. The Communist Chinese Party lies. That's all they do. That's all they know how to do. And I understand what they're going to say in response. You're a little bit racist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What what they call you or, 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 or me? They want to call us racist uh, for, for, for noticing? Don't care? Facts are facts are facts. If they had been honest about COVID, we could take them at their word today about what's going on. I think Joe Biden should not be allowing travel in from China right now until we can confirm. Until we can confirm what it is that is happening. And for the people who don't want to confirm this, who would think that it's wrong to confirm this, my gosh, why are you picking a fight with, uh, with, with China? Why do you keep accusing China of all these things? Why do you protect these commies so much? The last time we trusted the Chinese, we lost, did we lose a million Americans? Do me a favor, producer Jason. Uh, death counts from COVID, if you would. Let's find out. Why I don't trust the Chinese and maybe the communist Chinese and why you don't trust the communist Chinese. Let's find out how, what is the number of Americans dead from COVID? That's 1,138,000 you said, producer Jason. So that's 1,138,000 reasons why I don't trust the communist Chinese when they tell me it's nothing. It's nothing. What? Tommy's got the sniffles. That's all. That's all. Can you believe it? Look how upset America is. Tommy's got the sniffles and the whole country is, is, is freaking out. I'm not about to trust the communist Chinese. Why would the globe? Seven million people worldwide dead from COVID when China could have been up front from the beginning? No, they weren't up front from the beginning because communists are never up front. What they did is they went about buying all of the PPE, uh, the personal protective equipment, the masks and everything else, so they could then have it for themselves and resell it to us at a profit. That's what they did. Trust them. In the immortal words of my grandmother, Ethel, rest her soul, an immigrant from Poland who learned English here in the United States uh, and met her future husband, my grandfather, at night school learning English in her immortal, kind, decent words. Bitch, please. Not buying that. Not trusting the Chinese. And if we have elected officials... By the way, she used to say that all the time. Oh, the bedtime stories. 
if we have American officials willing to trust the Chinese on this, we really have given up the ghost, haven't we? We've given up the idea that we are a, a, a nation of strength, that we learn from our mistakes, that we work to get better, and that we are surrounded by adults. We're surrounded by ideological children who want to somehow tell you that China's wonderful and we're the problem. We should stop travel from China right now. Now I'm getting texts from people. Wait a second. You're Polish, Tony? I didn't tell anybody I was Polish before? This many years it never came up? Yes. Yes, my grandparents came from Poland to escape the horrors. I'm Tony Katz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When I say that Joe Biden caved, I mean it. I'm not the first person to say it. It is the accurate statement. President Biden has caved to the Hamas caucus, which can be stated as the Democratic Party. Now, if you think that that is me being hyperbolic, I want you to know that I said it. I want you to know that I meant it. And you spell my last name, K-A-T-Z. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Feel free, call in. You want to debate this subject? I'm down. He put out on the X, Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack because they fear nothing more than the Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. Uh, President Biden continued to continue down the path of terror, violence, killing and wars to give Hamas what they seek. We can't do that. That, ladies and gentlemen, is caving to the Hamas wing of the Democratic Party, which is to say the Democratic Party. Now, one could argue it's not everybody in the party. There are members of the party who are supportive of Israel. But when the leader of your party has made a statement, I get to say the Democratic Party. I get to discuss the fact that the Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Andre Carson, Jamal Bowman, Ayanna Presley, Ocasio-Cortez wing, Cori Bush wing of the Democratic Party has succeeded in taking the Democrats out of any rational conversation of dealing with terrorism and deciding that the answer is blame Israel. And Joe Biden just confirmed it. More hostages have been released. I'm very happy about it. The ceasefire has been extended because they, Israel can get back 10 more hostages each day. And yes, uh, Hamas wants to have a permanent ceasefire and they'll return everybody. I don't believe them. I don't believe them at all. Nor do I believe that anything would be permanent. Remember, they were having a ceasefire on October 6th and they murdered 1,200 plus people on October 7th. So again, I don't believe them. And rational people wouldn't. And on point, on cue, just like we said it would happen. If you have a ceasefire, you will get the people immediately screaming, this is the way it has to be. We always have to have ceasefire. This has to end right now. 
And sure enough, sure enough, they're pushing for a long-term ceasefire that would prolong the truce in Gaza beyond the current two-day extension and start talks that would end the war altogether. Now you say to me, Tony, you sound like a warmonger. Interesting. I want to make sure that I don't sound like Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State. We'd like to see the pause extended because what it has enabled, first and foremost, is hostages being released. It's also enabled us to uh, to surge humanitarian assistance into the people of Gaza who so desperately need it. What the ceasefire enables is Hamas to get rearmed and attack again. It's embarrassing how these children speak. And they deserve the derision that they get. And I will tell you that uh, I was told that Jews were really rocked by what happened on October 7th, the terrorist attacks. Oh, they were really shaken. And I said I had no doubt that they were probably shaken. And then... I saw people, people I know, people I grew up with and others posting, I'm Jewish and I'm scared. And I said, oh yeah, we're doomed. If you're saying you're scared, you haven't learned anything. You're still wrapped up in your progressive, silly little bubble and you're not a grown-up. You're not a woman. You're not a man. You're a child. And as recently as, I mean, I started a few weeks ago, but as recently as yesterday... I have stated that I have not seen anything. I have not seen a single thing that makes me believe that Jews have learned that progressivism is a disaster. Now, I have seen some things, and they are worthy of noting because they are. For example, uh, there, there has been the move by uh, those who send their kids to the Ivy League to say, oh, forget this. I'm not spending my money on the Ivy League again. No, 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 no. I'm not giving my money to Columbia or, or Harvard again. Are you nuts? That I've seen. The New York Post had a story. Wealthy Jewish families are rejecting the Ivy League for Plan B schools. I think it's not about specifically wealthy uh, Jewish. I would certainly uh, hope not. There's also wealthy Christian. Settle down, people. Harvard, Columbia, these schools hate your kids. When I see that students at Cal Berkeley are suing the University for anti-Semitism, you didn't know that they hated you when you were going there? I think it was um it, it was uh oh who uh Chuck Schumer today was giving a, a a speech and um it was on the Senate floor uh, about anti-Semitism. And he he mentioned I I believe um that that he mentioned as, as someone posted that um, a lot of people who are Jewish noticed that the people who they were supposedly in tight with, um, progressives, and uh, they were there, they were there marching with people for Black Lives Matter, and they were marching with people for this cause and that cause, and then, 
And then 1,200 uh, Israelis plus were murdered and all their friends were gone. Gone. And how some of these people have noticed that their so-called friends are nowhere to be found. Now, that story I have heard repeatedly, that some of them have seen that they thought they were part of something. They didn't know they were the useful idiot. They didn't know that the second it was them, nobody would be there to help them. They would have no friends because it was never about friendship. It was about being used. And I certainly have seen that. But you know what I have not seen, whether you're talking about people who are no longer going to send their kids to Harvard or Columbia, or, or this idea of recognizing that all your friends left you to die because they were never your friends to begin with. They are progressives. In the world of progressivism, you are an occupier and you are an oppressor. But you never saw yourself as an occupier and an oppressor because look at all the things that you did and look at all the places you marched and look at all the signs that you made. Useful idiot. But I have not seen anything that shows me they're going to change their voting habits. I have not seen anything. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, where the vast amount of rabbis are extremely left, upsettingly left, ridiculously left. They've written in newspapers for years only on leftist politics. They have never once called out their own people because they saw themselves as fellow travelers. And when October 7th hit, two of them, a husband and wife, wrote a piece that was in the Times of Israel that was entitled, We Were Wrong. But it wasn't talking about Jews, they were talking about themselves. Because they were like, where, where is everybody to, to condemn this action? But they still couldn't bring themselves to get to the big hit. The party of which they proudly place themselves because they're good, kind, and decent, according to them, is the party that is aiding and abetting the people who abandon them and don't care if whether Israel goes or not or whether Jews in the United States get shot in the head. And I will bet you all the money in my pocket against all the money in your pocket that when election day 2024 comes about, if it's let's argue Trump versus Biden, they'll pull the lever for Joe Biden. Trump is terrible and Trump is awful and Trump is this and Trump is that and indictment here and the other thing and the tweets and everything else. They'll vote for the guy who just caved to the Hamas faction of the Democratic Party. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. The people who want permanent ceasefire want Hamas to be able to rearm and rebuild and strike again. Prove me wrong. But you know I'm not wrong. You know I'm right because you know you're right. You understand this. You see it for what it is. The people pushing for ceasefire are pushing for Hamas to be able to rearm and reengage. Why do you think Hamas wants this? They, they want it to stop? Well, they want to stop uh, having to, to, to lose weapons and armament. They need time to rebuild. This is what they do. Faith in Hamas? 
But remember, for a lot of these people, they see Hamas as part and parcel of the Palestinian cause. Now you say to me, absolutely not. They don't do that at all. That is just ridiculous and terrible. And how dare you say such a thing? That's exactly the kind of bigotry. Exactly the kind of bigotry that we can't stand for. Well, let me take you to Oakland, California. Oakland, California, they um, wanted to, through their city council, put out a resolution calling for a ceasefire. And someone on the council wanted to add to the resolution that Hamas is a, a terrorist organization. And so people started speaking out in favor of Hamas. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. Hamas is the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance? Oh. Oh, my. I, didn't, I did not know such a thing. Because that would, be, that would be saying that Hamas does represent the Palestinians, right? That, that, that's what's being said. That's what's being said. Then there was this. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. Why is condemning Hamas anti-Arab racist? I, I, I don't understand. Hamas is a terrorist organization. It has nothing to do with being Arab. It has nothing to do with being Palestinian. It has nothing to do with Islam, right? Islam, I was told, was a religion of peace. So why now are you making such statements that would make one think uh, that, that, that Hamas... Uh, is is a proper representation. Why would you speak in a way that says Hamas actually is representative of the Palestinian people? To hear them complain about Hamas violence is like listening to a wife beater complain when his wife finally stands up and fights back. There's a lot of love for Hamas. And these are the people that Joe Biden sides with. And these are the people that are going to get votes from the Jews. I get asked all the time, why are Jews liberals? Well, let me turn to uh, my town and to these faith leaders. Any of you going to vote for the Republican? Locally? Nationally? Statewide? Any of you? Are any of you now going to vote for the people who aren't in favor of your eradication? But the part to remember is that while Joe Biden is a weak, feckless human being, and he is siding with the Hamas faction, he caved. It cannot be said any other way. This is not about Israel. It's not about Jews. It's about you. This is about people who want to put an end to Western civilization. The guy who just made that statement about Hamas and the wife beater, he's wearing a shirt from the PSL. Uh, That's the people for socialism and liberation. It's Kami. That guy wants to burn it all down. He wants to burn your life to the ground. Your kids will suffer when that guy's in charge. That's the goal. 
Israel, the canary in the coal mine, as is often said, is just the start. Look at how they even phrase the conversation, oppressed and oppressors. Exactly how they do it here in the United States. Why? Because the Marxism flows everywhere. And the objective is your destruction, is the destruction of Western civilization. The life that you want to have for yourself and provide for your family. That's the goal. Hamas's goal is the destruction of Israel. But these people in Oakland, California, who can be replicated and are replicated in cities all across the country, the goal is the takedown of the United States. And I'm saying that the religious leaders of Indianapolis will vote with those people. Now I ask you, am I right about Bloomington? Am I right about Muncie? Am I right about Fort Wayne or Evansville? Or Tulsa? Or Atlanta? Or St. Louis? Sadly, I think I am. So I can show you all the horrible stuff in the world. I can show you small pockets of people trying to do it better. But I have shown, I've seen nothing. I have seen nothing that says to me that Jews will figure it out for 2024. And yes, I'm disgusted. I'm Tony Katz. According to CBS News, Americans need an extra $11,400 just to afford the basics. Now, this gets super weird, and I'll get into what we saw in Black Friday spending and what we've seen in some holiday spending between Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday. Oh, it gets confusing. The typical American household has to spend over an additional eleven grand just to maintain the same standard of living they enjoyed January of 2021, right before the increase in inflation, which is still there. It's still there. And I think there's a tremendous amount of people saying, well, I don't know if it's 11000 for me. And some people are saying, well, it's more than 11000 for me. But it is the agreement that you're paying more for everything for the basic survival stuff. Find everything at TonyCats.com. More to get to. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The mayor of Chicago had himself a nutty, kind of, uh, kind of fell apart there. It was weird. Brandon Johnson, the uh, is he a socialist? The progressive mayor of Chicago. Chicago had an opportunity to to try something new. Nope, they went more left than uh, than what's her name. I for, I actually forgot her name. I feel good about that. Lori Lightfoot. 
They went more left. And while this new mayor, who has seen more crime and more danger, he believes that the problem is, of course, Republicans. That's so so bold, so brave and so bold. And in a very, very odd statement, made his claim that the reason cities have problems is because, well, Republicans caused them. Allow me to share this with you. Better coordination. You know, what we've seen is a very raggedy form um, instituted by right-wing extremism. Um, Everyone knows that the right-wing extremism in this country has targeted democratically ran cities. And quite frankly, uh, they've been very intentional about going after democratically ran cities that are led by people of color. And their whole motivation is to create disruption and chaos because that's what this that particular party has been about. Right? This is the same political party that did not want to accept that President Obama was actually an American. It's the same Republican right wing extremism that stormed the Capitol. It's the same right wing extremism that refuses to accept the results of the Civil War. It's raggedy. It's disrespectful. It's mean spirited. It's an unclean spirit, quite frankly. And so, so I got you. I got you. I just want to make sure that people understand what we're facing. That's why it's so important that the faith community is leaning in in this moment. Doesn't accept the results of the Civil War. The right wing is part of the reason you... Republicans were the abolitionists. <sighs> is it really worth the lesson, people? That's a lot to throw out there and yet doesn't explain to the mom of two why her other two children are dead. Doesn't keep a city clean. It doesn't stop the theft from CVS or a bunch of other stores. It doesn't stop the pot smell all across the city. Uh, it was it was the day after Thanksgiving and we were like, maybe, you know, living in Indiana, we'll drive up, we'll spend a weekend. Some great museums, and there is some great stuff in Chicago. And we're like, eh, maybe, maybe this isn't the the weekend to go. No, 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 no. And a little bit of that behind the right, right behind the uh, the the brain there, back of the head, was the issues of Chicago. Now maybe Chicago gets a bad rap for these things, but it can't get better if the blame is on everyone else except your own policies. It is the same mayor here, Brandon Johnson, who will not accept, you can't call things a riot when kids engage in riots and and mobs and flash mobs and and theft and everything else. No, 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 you can't say that. That That is offensive to these kids. They believe somehow if you don't pay attention to the problem, the problem goes away. But when the problem doesn't go away, they go about blaming others for their problems. If the city was run by Republicans, you could be discussing the failure of Republican-run cities. But that's, that's not what's happening here. This is about whether or not we accept the idea that people are responsible for their actions. This is about what it is that we want. 
And for all of us living in Chicago or not, you'd want a better Chicago because just as a matter of, of statement, you would want it to be a, a safer, happier place. And you would want that for Los Angeles and New York. And you would want it for San Francisco. You would want it for Atlanta, Georgia. You would want it for Dallas, Texas. You would want it. That's just a rational statement. Well, these things only come if one has a standard. So I'm a big believer in the concept of standards. One has to have a standard. One has to have a philosophy. And I received a a phone call because, you know, you you can call uh, the number 833-GOT-TONY. You can call any time and leave a message. And I have some people who leave me messages all the time. There are some people who tell me that I'm way too Trump supportive, and then there are people who tell me I'm not Trump supportive enough. It's hilarious. Same subject, same thing I talked about. They all hear what they want to hear. And so I get a, a couple of people who think that they have to lecture me. They, they are really going to show me the right way. Sure. Well, you can't show me the right way if this is your philosophy. This is a conversation about Trump. It's a conversation about the kind of candidate we want. And this, this was the call. This was the message that I got. Uh, this was towards the end of it. So you may not agree, but I don't think they do anything good for America first. And that's the only thing that matters, not conservatism. Uh, William, William F. Buckley and Limbaugh are dead, and so is conservatism. It's America first, man. Have a good morning. Bye. Nope. Just, I mean, maybe this needs to be said to everybody. But if you think I'm going to be the America first guy and not be a guy with a basis in an actual, understandable, studyable concept known as conservatism, you're out of your damn mind. You're nuts. No, I'm not interested in idol worship. Thank you very much. Buckley and Limbaugh are dead. There is so much telling in, the, in this argument. Just like there's so much telling from the mayor of Chicago who refuses to take any responsibility and wants to blame others. The idea that Buckley and Limbaugh are dead can be seen as the same conversation of why in the world are we following the Constitution? It's like 100 years old. That actually got said a few years back. Uh, that, that, was, that was one of the great statements uh, put, put, put out there the first time I heard it. Um, Buckley and Limbaugh understood that one has to have a basis, a basis for things to happen. Why do we believe what we believe? Why does the conservative believe what the conservative believe? What, by nature, are they trying to conserve? The conservative agenda, the conservative philosophy will, of course, bring about a better America because the the ideals within create and push for and laud and and move about prosperity, which is, of course, something we would all agree on. Conservatism is based on study and it's based on practice and practice. You could argue practicality. It's based on this open uh, debate of, of, of theories that has gone through and tested. Now, you could argue that there have been, quote unquote, conservatives who have let you down. Weak, weak men and women 
who were only in, in it for a couple of bucks and a free cruise, uh, hey, Bill Crystal, and never, never actually willing to fight. One can make that argument. Funny, I have. But I'm going to throw out the philosophy for the cultist. You're out of your damn mind. When I voted for Trump in 2016, it was because, as I've stated before, it was a bet. The bet was I couldn't get anything with Hillary Clinton. I had a 50-50 shot with Trump. I went with the odds. That's what the smart person does. I would argue that's what the conservative does, which is why I have argued that the never-Trump position is the most non-conservative position I have ever witnessed. Ever. Never Trump? No. Never communism? Yup. Never communism is clear. Never Trump is ridiculous pablum to try and get people to sign up for your newsletter. Trump governed as a conservative. You didn't like the way he talked. Okay. Honestly, I don't care if you liked it or not. Jonah Goldberg, Bill Kristol, David French. I don't give a damn. What's wrong with you? The policy created better opportunity because the policy came from what? Conservative thoughts, conservative process, conservative policy. This is obvious. Trump's not a conservative. I understand this. Trump's not a conservative. But when he was president, the policies were. And they were worthwhile in the main. Well, nothing's perfect. You're not going to find perfect. America first is predicated on idol worship. It's predicated on Trump is the only one. That's not sustainable. That's not an anti-Trump statement. That is an anti-America first supporter statement. Thinking that somehow conservatism is dead and this is better. You don't have that. You sound like a freak. And it is obvious that I don't even want you on my side because nobody who's willing to throw out the history and the factual nature of conservatism is somebody who can honestly be trusted with the vote. Now that's pretty harsh stuff. Tony, that's not bringing people in uh, to to the party. That's very, very exclusionary. You want me to try it another way? I'll, I'll try it another way. Um... Idol worship is wrong. And America First is about idol worship. No thank you. I don't, I'm sorry, there's no other way to say that. It's an insane thought. Conservatism is dead. They told me this when Trump got elected. You know what I said? Nah, I'm right here. I am right here. Reading my Burke and reading my lock. And I am right here, engaged in conversations of, of, of liberty and the Liberty Society over the Freedom Society. And I am right here uh, discussing these very, very important issues and the importance of rights and the importance of standards and the importance of protecting them. Conserving uh, these things. The importance of parents. The importance of parents being able to have a say in their kids' education. Parents dictating their child's education. That you don't have to have this public education insanity. As a matter of fact, we didn't have until, what was it, the 1800s? 
The late 1800s, you had uh, these people in Massachusetts saying, we need public education, and it has done nothing but destroy kids for the past at least 100 years. We don't have a better society because of it, so therefore the parent has to be always the one in charge. And now you have these unions that are opposed to the parents being in charge. That is what we fight against. Because what we want to conserve is an actual valuable education, not indoctrination, and a recognition of why the United States creates value based on its theory and philosophy. These are good things. These are important things. I think we should be supporters of these things. I don't think we should be supporters of idol worship. And people who want to say that America first is somehow... uh, uh, the value instead of conservatism, they're not actually saying anything. What they're saying is, I'm an idol worshiper who wants Trump and only Trump, and only Trump can do it. If Trump were to lose in 2024, would you run him in 2028? Uh, Assuming he's still alive. Well, he's 77. I mean, it's, it's an okay thing to say. You would run him in 2028, wouldn't you? And if he didn't win in 2028, you would run him in 2032, wouldn't you? Well, of course you would. Because that's what an idol worshiper would do. You willing to change idols? Well, now you're not talking about America first. You're talking about a philosophy, right? And being able to move that philosophy down the line. So why is it that Ron DeSantis can't move that philosophy down the line? Because when you take a look at policy in Florida, he's done it. Oh, he's part of the establishment. Okay, we'll go back to the idol worship thing now. This is madness. Just like the mayor of Chicago is engaged in madness. There has to be standards. And then the application of those standards. A theory and then the application of that theory. If we want to argue the value of Trump, it is the ability and the willingness to fight these abusive, nasty people who think that they should be able to dictate every part of your life and that they can punch you in the face and you're not allowed to do anything back. That's the lesson learned. And it's a good lesson. It's an important lesson. And not enough Republicans have figured it out. They certainly haven't figured out how to use it uh, for themselves. But as I've stated from the beginning, the thing to learn from Trump is this level of fight and then have people who can apply it. But you need more people doing it. What I get is a guy saying that all these other people don't matter. Only this one guy matters. You are just four seconds away from wearing a robe and drinking Kool-Aid. Wait, you're already in the robe. Three seconds away. I'm going to vote for the person who can win. I'm not so sure Trump can win uh, a a general. But if he's the nominee, I'll vote for him. If it comes to my state of Indiana and my choice is Trump or DeSantis, I'm going to vote for DeSantis. Just so you know. I also voted for Cruz over Trump in, in the primary in 2016. I might lose. That's okay. And then I'll hope Trump wins the general and I'll talk about it. But America first over conservatism, when I know that that value system provides something, creates something, offers something, and delivers? Conservatism over idol worship every day of the week. And the people who aren't down for that, 
you sound like the mayor of Chicago. I'm Tony Katz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is not a right to be a member of Congress. The media will always remind me of that every time I talk to them. But it is a privilege, a privilege that you work hard for and you get elected to Congress as a privilege to represent those who have chosen you. Madam Speaker, I think we can all agree that due process matters and that we should all be very concerned about the way that we are conducting this process. I ask that all my colleagues in the House consider and understand what this means for the future. And to set the record straight and put this in the record, I will not be resigning. And with that, I yield back the balance of my time. That's George Santos, uh, the Republican from New York, who will get expelled uh, from the House. Speaking uh, there, of course he's not going to resign. What's the point? He's got on this this red blazer and the the blue sweater vest. Uh, he's got the collar is showing. He looks like the two a.m. Mater D from the Golden Nugget Subway on Fremont Street. Just a just a. It's it's sad. It is an ill fitting. Honestly, this is a guy who likes to talk about his yacht all day, and uh, he he doesn't he doesn't have a boat. He doesn't. He doesn't even have a dinghy. He's got, which I'm sure is an allegation made. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. He's going to get expelled. And then there will be a special election. And there's a whole conversation about who could uh, replace him. I thought that the governor got to appoint somebody. Not the case in New York. It would trigger a special election. It would take a place, it has to be called within 10 days of the vacancy and then held 70 to 80 days later. So in three months, uh, there would have to be a special election. And there are Democrats who are going to run for this thing, including former, possibly former state, uh, former uh, federal representative uh, Tom Susie, S-O-U-Z-Z-I, a Democrat. And there is a Republican or a person being floated as a Republican um, who is a Nassau County, New York legislator, Mozzie Melissa Pilip, P-I-L-I-P. I don't know anything about her. Served in the Israeli Defense Forces. Born in Ethiopia, airlifted to Israel as a child. Served in the IDF, now lives in New York. Yes, that is somebody that Republicans could run. And now does that become a bellwether? Uh, election like like it would be an off season an off uh, uh, election and it would get a lot of attention this is Tony Katz today Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Hollywood to the rescue. They are going to keep peace around the globe, specifically bringing peace to the Middle East, and they're going to do it via hunger strike. Just, you know, not all at one time. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. That's where you find all the things. Cynthia Nixon is an actress, uh, famous for Sex in the City and really nothing else. Now, sometimes one show is enough. One show can be all that it takes. But when people take a, a level of celebrity and decide that somehow it's it's valuable across the spectrum, I think that's that's kind of that's kind of nutty. Well, I have this platform and I have to use it, and then they get themselves wrapped up into that. And I'm not here to tell people to shut up and dribble, uh, except if your name is Cynthia Nixon. It's only because your politics are really ugly. I mean, a pure obscenity is is your progressive politics is is your communist want. It's ugly stuff. It's ugly like the people there uh, in, in Oakland. Oh, yeah, I, I was, I've been talking about this. In Oakland, California, uh, they uh, wanted to pass a, a, a resolution um, condemning the violence, right? It, it, was, it, was, um, it was quite clearly an attack on Israel. And someone said, uh, we should uh, call Hamas in this uh, pushing for a ceasefire. We should admit that Hamas is a terrorist organization. And the people of Oakland said, how dare you? There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. All right, let's just stop for a moment. That is a grown woman saying that Israel murdered their own people. This This level of denialism should be met with, are you out of your damn head? It's what it should be met with. If we were an honest society, that's what we would do. If President Biden would do that, if if, uh, professors would do that, what a better society we'd have. No, no, no. This gets stated and people don't go, you're out of your head. It's clearly a lie. We see the video. We know this to be true. So why do they do it? Because... They don't believe in Israel's existence. It's just a reminder of this. And after Israel comes Western civilization. So the whole canary in the coal mine conversation really applies here. Oh, and they weren't done. Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. They're a terrorist organization who in their charter say they want to destroy Israel. They're the genocidal ones. Why is it wrong to notice? And why, young 20-something, are you wearing a mask? She's wearing a mask. And so is this one. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. The armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. What is this? So you're saying that Hamas represents the Palestinians, which is funny because there was so much talk about Hamas not representing the Palestinians. And that was the problem. You want to go after Hamas, but what about these poor Palestinian people? Now you're stating for the record that Hamas is the Palestinians. I cannot keep up. And it's the reason uh, being I can't keep up, but like you can't keep up is because these people are so wholly ignorant. Who could keep up with that ignorance all the time? Oh, and she was wearing a mask, too. Now, by the way, there are reasons people wear masks. I saw um, 
Steve Scalise, uh, he gave a statement and then put a mask on. I didn't know if he was sick. Maybe it's because he got shot by a Bernie bro, this progressive who tried to kill him, and other Republicans in, in Congress. Maybe that's why he wears a mask, just for his own, uh, He you know, he might not handle illness as well as others. Uh, these two 20-something young women, I don't quite know. But hey, that's that's their life. It continues in Oakland. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. Why is condemning Hamas very anti-Arab racist? Why? why? It, would, it would seem to me that condemning Hamas is exactly what you would want because they don't represent you. But if your entire life is based on the oppressed oppressor, you'll notice that we've gone over this a few times over the past couple days in a couple different ways. It's because it keeps presenting itself and one of them will click with people like, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, these people are full of crap. And man, are they some hateful sons of guns. The notion that this was a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October 7th, including children were killed by the IDF. This is the second time you've heard it in this uh, audio clip. A lot of people have gone over this. Oh, yeah, this was all the Israeli defense forces. It could not have been Hamas. It was all staged. It was a false flag. Turns out every one of these people is actually a blood relative of Alex Jones. It's a false flag. Do I get sued for that? I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that, uh, like, uh, I'm kidding. Clearly, they're not blood relatives. They're just friends. No, is that still too much? Children killed by the IDF. This is some monstrous stuff. Look at the leaps that people go to. An amendment condemning Hamas is bald propaganda meant to... Thank you, your time is up. To hear them complain about Hamas violence is like listening to a wife beater complain when his wife finally stands up and fights back. Israel's been out of uh, the Gaza Strip since 2005. What is this guy talking about? But you'll notice that he's wearing, well, maybe you won't notice because I'm watching the video and you're not. Um, He's wearing one of those PSL t-shirts. He's uh, wearing one of those socialist t-shirts. It's got the fist in the back, Party for Socialism and Liberation. They're all Jew haters. They're all Western culture haters. Question. Did anyone else notice that those who oppose this resolution are old white supremacists? There's been a lot of atrocity propaganda ranging from claims of beheaded babies to mass rape. Allow me to ask the question. What the hell is mass rape? You mean one rape would have been okay? Three is fine. But mass rape, that's the lie. These people are weird. Super weird. It's not a terrorist organization just because the U.S. and Israel um, deems it so. Hamas is a resistance organization that is fighting for the liberation of Palestinian people and their land. So we can now state with clarity that you cannot divide the Palestinians and Hamas because the people of Oakland have told you it's one and the same. Israel is guilty. Israel made it all up. Israel killed its own people. No one got raped. No one got beheaded. No one got burned alive. Israel deserved it. And Hamas represents the Palestinian people. In the same conversation, the same uh, group setting, Israel made it all up and Israel deserved it.
They said both things. And then, of course, reminded you that Hamas is the Palestinians. What in the world does any of this have to do with Cynthia Nixon? Cynthia Nixon is taking part in a hunger strike to push for a ceasefire in Gaza. She joined the hunger strike, joining U.S. politicians in protest, demanding Biden push for a permanent ceasefire, which is, of course, as we've discussed, something going on. And to do this, they're having a five-day hunger strike. But Cynthia Nixon isn't going to, you know, do all five days. She's just going to do two of the days. Nothing could be more wonderfully, gloriously Hollywood than that. A cease... We're going to call for a ceasefire. We're going to have a hunger strike to do it. But no, not every day. I mean, my gosh. I got I to gotta have, have a little snack. A nosh. A some, does a smoothie count as eating because I don't have to chew anything? What if, what if, what if it's so just some baby bok choy? It's small. It's small. Just want a little. Just, just a little nibble. I get it. I get it from my friend. Makes it herself. Oh, it is fabulous. These people. To support, Cynthia Nixon supports the people who want to tell you that Israel did this to themselves, the rape never happened, babies were not kidnapped, and Hamas represents the Palestinian people. That's whom Cynthia Nixon and these Hollywood elitist freaks are supporting. How could anybody be on the side of that craziness? I share this with you as, as, as a reminder of how twisted these people are, how dangerous this is. And yes, this is about Western civilization. It is not just about Israel. And I share this so you've got the, the, the tools to be able to talk to your own kids and your own family, your own people. Look at what they're celebrating. The nuttiness, the madness of it all. But it's more than nuttiness and madness. It's dangerous and it is violent. And if we allow the subversion of honesty, if we allow the subversion of rationality, we are screwed. And, and honestly, if that's going to happen, I ain't going to let it happen from Cynthia Nixon. Not my type. And I'm not just saying that because she's a lesbian and I'm straight. That... I'm saying uh, I, 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 like, I like it. I, I like women who um, don't side with genocide. I'm old school like that. Always have been, uh, always, always going to be. It's just, just the way I roll. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Took my thumb, Charlie. You see, see any chance you get to use the Pope of Greenwich Village, I think you should use it. In the case of Jonathan Taylor of the Colts, they didn't take it, but it's injured. Two to three weeks, according to Jim Irsay. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? JMV joins us, 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, I, never mind which thumb, all right, right thumb or left thumb, what in the world happened, and this is the kind of injury that takes surgery and you miss three weeks? Well, I would just keep Arthur Fonzarelli out for three weeks with an episode of Happy Day. I don't know. Hey. Um, you know, 
again, I can't, uh, and I can't, and I won't question it. It just, man, it, it, it's just, this is a tough time right now, Tony, to be missing two to three weeks. In particular, you got these these games coming up with, you know, obviously Nashville Sunday and then the Bengals, you know, AFC games coming up here where you're in the thick of things in the postseason. Even with Zach Moss, his ability to back up and obviously what we've seen production-wise this season, this is a tough time. I, it, far be it from me, and I'm not going to do that to ever say, hey, just take that thing up, rub some dirt on it, and go out there and play. But – I, I will say this, if you're going all the way to Los Angeles to see the best hand specialist in the world, evidently, uh, to do this repair, man, two to three weeks also sounds a little bit light to me, especially considering you're, you're following the Colts, and normally things are a lot worse than they are better in terms of this. Hopefully not, but we shall see. I broke it down, and, and uh, producer Jonathan, who works my morning show, has his own sports podcast, noticed that the last play of Jonathan Taylor in the, in the game against the Buccaneers, where they won 27-20, in the second quarter, uh, he was out for like 10 minutes and all, all of halftime. Right. So he didn't have a run after like the beginning of the second quarter. But the vast majority of his yards happened in the second half. So when did the thumb injury take place? Well, here's here's what I've done with detective work. You go back to the radio network and Lara Overton, who's the side sideline reporter for the Colts radio network, uh, had a quick update in the second quarter talking about how those on the sideline, the trainers were looking at and wrapping up his hand. And if you remember, Tony, that is where we were kind of wondering, because you were texting me at the time and I was in the press box, we were wondering what has happened to 28. Where's 28? And then after he got that done, the trainers looked at that and wrapped his hand up. He went back to standing up on the sideline. And I remember going, all right, the 28 standing there, he's got to be ready to go. That was the point in time when Gardner Minshew was throwing it all over the yard. And we were wondering why, uh, because the success could be there with running the football. But that's what I have hard targeted at some point in the second quarter, but you're right. I mean, he was going to the second half, and which which I think begs the question uh, that many people have: Is this something where, and again, far, far, far be it for me, I'm not a doctor, anything like that, hand specialist, whatever. You know, if you could just wrap this thing up and go, um, if you're believing maybe because you have this done, you can get him back quicker than what you thought. I mean, maybe that's some of the thought process going in. But there is a great deal of mystery surrounding this. And nothing was said after the game either. I mean, all those guys are in the locker room, you know, and just kind of talking as they normally do, interviewing as they normally do, and nothing was said about it. Nothing was really known about it until Ian Rappaport hit that right um, as of uh, yesterday. And boom, there you go. Well, now let me ask this question. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Moss gets $1.2 million in 2022. He was due $1.4 million in 2023. How quickly does he get a four-year deal worth $22 million? <laughs> From somebody else? Oh, you don't think he's <laughs> I mean, going to get it? You don't think yes, the Colts have proven they need else. a serious backup who can actually do the job? No, no, he is. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to be he'll, – he'll be fine. But I thought what you're bringing up is the fact – that now you're thinking you want to have an adequate backup, and certainly you know if you're with the Colts, anybody around here for that matter, you're going to need backups because ultimately somebody's going to be injured. But this probably will up 
the amount of money that he could get on the open market, which would beg the question, if you wanted him back next year, would you be able to get him back next year with all that he has shown production-wise? So I think that would be within question, and that's what I presumed you were going with that. That Well, uh, and I said four years, $22 million, which would be $5.5 million, uh, a year. He's going to get more than $5.5 million a year? I, I bet he's making himself – well, it also depends on this. Now, Tony, this Colts team is going to be in the spotlight here. They're the seventh seed right now in the AFC, making some noise when nobody thought they were going to. So now you're under, you know, a bit more of a spotlight than you've seen all season long. So if he has, you know, a 100-yard performance plus, maybe a couple of those, and let's just say, for example, hypothetically, they don't miss a beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's probably going to get more money someplace else. And also keep in mind that it depends on the spot, but – it is also still a position where people consider you can draft third round, third day type of guy, and these guys are a dime a dozen. But he has the potential to make himself some money here, continuing to do that and do so under under a spotlight that he hasn't had so far this season. Yeah, the culture wrap him up. More money here or someplace else. The culture wrap him up right now. JMV 935 <laughs> the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The Republicans coming out swinging today, talking about Joe Biden, talking about the impeachment inquiry, which is, you know, full on. Elise Stefanik, James Comer, he's oversight. Uh, and the speaker, Mike Johnson, having a press conference. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And man, Elise Stefanik was not taken prisoners. The DOJ, FBI, and other federal agencies mobilized to play cover-up and attack Biden's leading political opponent, Donald Trump, in a desperate effort to distract from Joe Biden's failings. And Joe Biden has lied continuously to the American people about how he was not only aware of, but was involved with and financially benefited from his family's corrupt influence peddling schemes. Look around this room on these poster boards. The evidence is here. And unlike Joe Biden, the bank records do not lie. The Biden crime family sold out America and the American people have had enough. And while extreme Democrats pursued a sham impeachment of Donald Trump focused on baseless lies driven by partisan politics, House Republicans have and will continue to follow the facts, uncovering more damning evidence each and every day. This week, the House Republican Conference is unveiling an impeachment inquiry website, providing the public with a one-stop shop for updates from each of our committees and the evidence they are uncovering. It also includes a timeline, which lays out exactly what the Biden crime family did to get us to this point. Transparency is the hallmark of America. With each new fact, we find it becomes more clear that Joe Biden is compromised and unfit to lead. Well, I could have told you that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, if I forgot to say hello, sometimes I forget to say hello. Then Congressman James Comer, oversight chairman from Kentucky. 
the door was wide open to his family's influence peddling schemes. But Joe Biden allowed his son to catch a ride on Air Force Two at least a dozen times to sell the Biden brand around the world. The, the National Archives has also identified the Office of Vice President emailed with the Biden family and their businesses over 29,000 times. However, the White House is withholding these emails from Congress in addition to the 82,000 pages of pseudonym emails. 82,000 pages. President Biden claimed his family didn't receive money from China, but we all know they did. President Biden's son, brother, sister-in-law, and daughter-in-law collectively received millions from CCP-linked entities. We've also revealed how Joe Biden received $40,000 in laundered China money in the form of a personal check from his sister-in-law. The White House and corporate media continue to move the goalpost as they seek to cover up for President Biden and his family. But Nate, make no mistake. Financial records, emails, text messages, and witness testimony reveal that the Biden family enterprise is centered on Joe Biden's political career and connections. Well, yeah. I think that we've seen enough of that to allow this inquiry to go forward, and which is why I've always favored the inquiry. The reason I've always wanted the impeachment inquiry is that I want people to see this. You heard Congresswoman Stefanik, she's out of New York, talking about we've set up a website so people can see the information. That's what matters. Now you say to me, no, impeaching Joe Biden is what matters. I'm not going to say that that should be off the table. That is not my argument. My argument has always been don't move until you've got it, until you have something you can really present. Never mind what Democrats are going to say about it. That's inconsequential. The impeachments are political moves, not legal moves. And therefore, you're utilizing this because, A, there is an impropriety. There is a serious issue at play. It's not for some transient causes, I see it. And then uh, part two, you're able to show America what kind of person we're talking about here. And then they can make their own decisions vis-a-vis elections. So this press conference continues, and then the speaker uh, was there as well, and Jim Jordan. And you know when Jim Jordan starts talking. Those actions benefit his family financially, and then there's an effort to sweep it all under the rug. And we know this has happened. The best example is to use the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Four key facts. Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Burisma, fact number one. Fact number two, he's not qualified to be on the board. He said so himself in an ABC interview. He said he got the job because of his last name. Fact number three, the executives at Burisma asked Hunter Biden specifically, will you weigh in with folks in D.C. to help us deal with the pressure we are under? A few days later, Joe Biden gets on a plane, flies to Kiev, and announces that you will not get the money that was already approved unless you fire the prosecutor who was applying the pressure. That all happens. That all happens. Those key facts happen. And those facts are confirmed by some of the evidence we've uncovered already, already this 1023 form, where the confidential human source told the FBI and it was recorded in this form. So that's just some of what he's got, some of what they have together. Now, if you forget what it is that Joe Biden said regarding the billion dollars, well, allow me. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our first to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev and, uh, 
and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. Sure they did. I mean, he, that was him bragging about it. Bragging about it. No one should forget that. I believe, based on what we have seen, that there's enough to have warranted the impeachment inquiry, and I'm glad that it's going forward. I want to see it continue to build. And if there's enough, I want to see the impeachment take place. And the reason I say if there's enough if you go down the road of impeachment and you don't have an argument that is sound and data points that you can show America, it backfires and it hurts you in a presidential election. I'm interested in winning. And I know that I have disagreements about this with people. I, I, I think that they are wrong and I make my case. I'm interested in winning. I'm not interested in hitting somebody. I'm interested in the victory. And so when you're talking about impeachment, the victory comes in one of two ways. Either actually being able to get it through the Senate, which right now you could not do, you would not have removal. And the other way is if you're engaged in impeachment, you're able to show America these data points, the reality of what happened as a way that it will absolutely influence them in who they vote for coming in 2024 because the idea that joe biden is a corrupt guy i think is a well very provable idea and some people will be like tony that's so callous that's so political impeachment is political and don't talk to me about callous two impeachments of donald trump that never should have happened even if you think he was just awful regarding january 6th if you had gone after him for dereliction of duty, I think you could have gotten somewhere. But you didn't do that. You rushed so quickly, you were just so angry, you didn't know how to function. And since everything about the phone call with um, Trump and Vladimir Zelensky, everything regarding that was fine, and everything about Russia, Russia, Russia was a lie, it was no, there, there was certainly never question, any question in my mind. That once it was obvious that this was political, once it was obvious, which was pretty quick when we talk about what the Democrats tried to do uh, to Donald Trump and did do to him with, with an impeachment the first time around, that they set the table for a political action returning to them. And one of the things that Republicans have gotten better at is, don't tell us we're not allowed to do what you do. You act any way you want, and the rest of us somehow have to act according to rules you claim that we have? No, 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 no. You've set the table. And you say to me, Tony, this is exactly what's wrong with politics. And I'll say to you, to a large extent, I agree. But what about the idea that these people have to learn? They can't just be abusive and expect nothing to happen to them in return.
And if that's what it takes to teach them so the madness stops, I favor this. And you know what I temper it with? Having it. Having the data. Having the everything. That's what this impeachment inquiry has to be about. That's what it has to be about. Having the data. And so far, I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. Then at this, at this press conference, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. Thank you all for being here. These are, um, these are serious times, and this is a very serious matter. And I've, I've said many times over the last few years, because impeachment has been an issue that we've all become all too familiar with, that next to the declaration of war, you can make an argument that impeachment may be the heaviest power that Congress holds. Th- that, that constitutional responsibility lies with the House. We, we have a duty to pursue the facts where they lead. John Adams famously said, facts are stubborn things, and you heard a recitation of that here this morning. These facts are alarming. They're alarming to the American people, they're alarming to us. And so while we take no pleasure in, uh, in the proceedings here, we have a responsibility to do it. We're very proud of the work of these three chairmen that you've seen here, Chairman Comer and Jordan and Smith. They've done an exceptional job in uncovering the obvious corruption. And you've heard it here summarized this morning very succinctly. President Biden and the Biden family. We, we owe it to the American people to continue this process, but to do it methodically and transparently. Many of you know I was on, uh, I'm a lawyer, I'm a constitutional law attorney. I served on President Trump's impeachment defense team twice. And we lamented openly and we decried how the Democrats politicized that process. They were brazenly political and how they, they brought those uh, meritless impeachment charges against the, the president. This, what you're seeing here, is exactly the opposite. We are the rule of law team. The Republican Party stands for the rule of law. And the people in charge of this are doing this thoroughly, carefully, methodically. They're investigating and gathering all the facts. And to do this appropriately and to do it in a manner that upholds our constitutional responsibility requires time. It it requires a sound process. You don't rush something like this. You can't if you're going to have fidelity to the Constitution. These chairmen are committed to proceeding in that manner. Funny. Funny, I know a guy who was having that conversation just moments ago. Ah, yeah, that's right. Exactly the tone the speaker should take. Not one of, of rank politics, not one of bloodthirstiness, but hey, we've got something real here. This is a real problem. And this is what these chairmen are doing is exactly what they should be doing. Methodically going through, exposing what's going on. We have a responsibility to the country. Exactly the approach. Exactly. Now, uh, by the way, uh, you should note that I take from this that I think they're actually close to going for impeachment. Uh, this, this, this presser was, to me, the first time in all of these conversations where I, I say, say to myself, I think they might seriously do it. Right, I've always looked at it as the political of exposing the information and letting that be the story. That is often uh, enough. I think they might think they've actually got enough to, to, to move. And I, I, I'm not saying they definitely will, right? I can't guarantee that. I'm saying I won't be surprised. I'm now 50-50 on it. They might move forward. Based on what we just heard, they might move forward with the impeachment. That's very possible. This is Tony Katz today. Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. If 
it weren't for Trump, I have no idea what CNN and MSNBC would talk about. Well, MSNBC would talk about how it's cool to hate Jews. But CNN, I'd be at a total loss. Total loss about what in the world they would talk about. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is, uh, what is his name? Avalon? I don't, I, don't know his, I don't know his first name. Uh, well, let, let me start it here. The warning part of this book, which obviously is pervasive throughout, and honestly is probably the entire point of yes. it, the warning. And what now Liz Cheney has kind of become the embodiment of is the warning of Donald Trump and the warning to democracy. Part of the conclusion, I'll read this. There's a book, and in the book it was, the big story was Kevin McCarthy went down to see Trump uh, uh, because uh, he was so despondent about 2020 he wasn't eating. I... I don't pay any attention to these books. I never have. I have no idea what's true or or what's not. But the idea that former Representative Liz Cheney is the embodiment of taking on Trump and what is a threat to our democracy is laughable, is a ridiculous concept pushed by CNN and MSNBC, The Washington Post and others to make you think that she was operating from a position of morality. If she had been operating from a position of morality, I would not have opposed her being on the January 6th committee. I would have demanded that she ask serious questions about what it is that they were providing to to America. And one of the reasons I favor the release of all the audio and all the video is so we could see its totality. I don't argue that a riot didn't happen. I argue that an insurrection didn't happen. And I argue that not everybody there was some kind of horrible person. Well, they should have known better. They weren't allowed to walk through the Capitol. Possibly. But a lot of them got invited in. And a lot of them got a thank you on the way out the door. These aren't terrorists. That's the argument. And the argument the left has been making is that everybody, whether you were there or not, is some kind of terrorist. That's my point. That a little bit of nuance would have gone a long way. And a little bit of honesty of, wait, there were some questions here and some things that would have mattered. Not to shy away from it being a riot. Because I don't think you should shy away from it being a riot. But get back to this. As this part is an, is an excerpt. Every one of us, Republican, Democrat, Independent, must work and vote together to ensure that Donald Trump and those who have appeased, enabled, and collaborated with him are defeated. This is the cause of our time she has she is she's staying true to form here there's no question of that but i'm wondering with this book and with what she has stood for since honestly january 6th is it picking up steam though is are people following liz cheney to take on this cause is there a drumbeat or not Why won't anybody also not like Donald Trump? Why is he so popular? It's not fair. That's basically what's being asked. Check the answer on CNN. You need a certain trumpet. Leadership requires a clear call. And what I think that I wish we had a full screen of that quote, because I think it's essential. Liz Cheney, who's very conservative, lest we forget, is saying we need to build a broader coalition to defend the country and the Constitution from Donald Trump. And that he has been enabled by cowardice, in her political party that is utterly unconnected to anything resembling constitutional values, that constitutional conservatism. One of the excerpts saying that, you know, we're not the party of Reagan anymore, says uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy, oh, right. Cheney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not the party of Bush, we're not the party of Cheney. 
This is about, in our, we're almost 250 years old, one of the longest lasting democracies in the world. We've faced a lot of challenges, including a civil war. We've never had a leading party candidate campaign as a would-be autocrat. I thought that's exactly what Barack Obama did, by the way. So allow me to, to wholeheartedly disagree with that statement. But let me get into something there that is true. The idea that there are people out there who don't see conservatism as the value. The value is America first. Conservatism is dead. I actually got, I shared that with you. I got that phone call. Someone left me a message. Never mind. Uh, they, they don't listen to me. They, they're not paying attention to the things that I say because they're just so angry. But why to tell me you're being a conservative? Conservatism's dead. Uh, America first is what matters. No. <laughs> no. No thanks. I'll pass. I'm on an island. That's cool. I think I'll have more people on the island than you realize. Nope. And if that's now the game that we're playing, oh, we got to dig into something different here. Conservatism is where it's at. Philosophy is where it's at. The basis and the reason, not some emotional freak show and idol worship. Sorry, I'm out. Never going to be a part of that. That's a legitimate conversation. What does the party base itself on? The problem when this happens in the media is that they don't ever ask the question, well, what are the Democrats basing themselves on? If we're going to now get into what parties base themselves on. But you can't say he's the first guy to run as an autocrat. Dear Lord, Barack Obama told you I have a phone and a pen and I can do anything I want. Fear-mongering around Donald Trump is the only way CNN can operate. But if we've got people who are voting for Trump, not because uh, there's some hope for conservatism, but because they think America first is more important than conservatism, well, then we do have a problem worthy of discussion. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Seeing the bad guys get their just rewards is, well, exactly what you want to see. It, it, it's why people go to the movies. Even if you make it extend and, and the bad guy seems to be getting away with it, you can get people to come back to see what happens next. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Empire proved this. Empire Strikes Back brought you the need to see Return of the Jedi. You didn't want to think that the bad guy was going to get away with it. Right? The Avengers. Oh, what was the one before Endgame? What was, what was the movie there? And, and Thanos gets the gets the snap, um, and uh, and and you're like uh, Infinity War. Thank you, duh, Infinity War. And then you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? That's why you went to see Endgame, because you want to see the bad guy get their due, not their due, their just rewards, not their just rewards, their butt kick. That's what you wanted to see, and you want to see the good guys be successful. And I think that there's a great uh, reason. Amongst the many reasons that Marvel is is so uh, doing something to the bed that is completely inappropriate is that they forgot this and they want to throw at us their their so-called morality as opposed to sharing good story. That That's a problem. That, amongst other reasons, is part of Marvel's issue. 
Well, it's nice to see when this happens in the real world, which brings us to a rag called Deadspin. Deadspin wrote a story, a so-called sports reporter by the name of Karen Phillips, and uh, took a screenshot uh, from uh, CBS, which was carrying a Kansas City Chiefs game, football game, and showed a kid, a 10-year-old. Turns out his name is Holden Armenta. And Holden, it showed a side of his face. He's at a Kansas City Chiefs game. He's wearing a Chiefs jersey. He has a Native American headdress on. And his face is painted black in the photo. And so Phillips posts this and says, what is the NFL going to do about this racism? Blackface and cultural appropriation? Roger Goodell, what do you say about this? That's not journalism. That's attacking a kid. Well, this is what the political left is so much about. If you want to know why I'm not a leftist, this is exactly why. Amongst many other reasons, this is why. Nothing, no no research, no asking a question, nothing else. Just, oh my gosh, I'm insulted. Oh my gosh, I'm aggrieved for somebody else. Oh my gosh, I have to stand up for this injustice. What injustice? You don't even know what's going on. Because if you knew what was going on, you would have seen that if you just waited a moment, the kid had red painted on the other side of his face. Colors of the Chiefs. You would have seen video of the kid doing uh, the, 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 the chop, the tomahawk chop, and, and, and kind of singing along with it. And how Chiefs players were joining him. They were on the sideline, and the crowd was doing it, and the Chiefs players were doing it too. Black Chiefs players We're doing it too. And if you had had any decency and asked some questions and maybe had done some reporting, you would learn that this 10-year-old, I believe he's 10, Holden Armenta is actually Native American. His grandfather serving on the Santa Ynez band of, I think it's the Chumash Indians. You mean the kid is Native American. He wasn't in blackface. And here are you, a grown so-called man, attacking him in the pages of Deadspin. Good Lord. Are you one hateful lowlife bastard? Really and truly. First, not a journalist. Secondly, this is not anything having to do uh, really with sports. I hate it when the sports guys do the non-sports stuff. They're so bad at it because they think their emotions are enough. They think that their emotions matter. And your emotions, sports guys, don't matter. By the way, we can apply that to a myriad of places. Your emotions are meaningless. The story matters. And you trying to create one isn't actually journalism. That's propagandism. So now the question is, is the family of Holden going to sue? Here you have a garbage reporter lying about a kid. Is the family going to sue? 
I certainly hope they do, and I hope Deadspin is out of business because of it. Now, you say to me, Tony, what about a little bit of grace? No, 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 no. Karen Phillips wasn't looking at grace, trying to understand this kid, understand what's happening, wanted to attack. That's what Karen Phillips wanted. C-A-R-R-O-N, Karen J. Phillips. That's what Karen Phillips wanted. Who, by the way, is a grown man, is a black man, puts uh, on his, uh, their bio for Deadspin, a Morehouse man, Syracuse alumni. I only eat my wings lemon peppered, and I like brown liquor and brown women. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure how how that last part isn't just, you know, uh, bigotry, but I'll leave that uh, to others. Brown liquor refers to uh, bourbon. And on behalf of uh, the bourbon drinkers in America, you're cut off. We here at Eat, Drink, Smoke, my my cigar and bourbon show, largest radio cigar and bourbon show in the country, uh, you... Cut off. No, you're out. You are, you, you have to, you, no, no. For you, for you, nothing but grain alcohol, which clearly you must have been drinking to write this story about a 10-year-old and go on the attack. But my gosh, yeah, you, you, you really got to show people how concerned you are. I hope they sue the living crap out of them. The daylights out of them. When I talk, when I speak, I, I do this gig, right? I am measured because I think you have to be. And I am not afraid to say what I think of, of people or, or, or statements or actions that I find uh, unacceptable and I give the basis for it. Personal attacks, I, that's not my bag. Utilizing people to move your political agenda? No, no, no. People engage in things, and I talk about it. About kids? Never. Gre- I wouldn't talk about Greta Thunberg until she was over 18. I wouldn't talk about David Hogg until he was over 18. I wouldn't do it. So, yeah, I don't care what happens to Karen Phillips in terms of a lawsuit. Lose it all. If Deadspin goes out of business, so be it. So be it. If you had taken any time to learn, you'd be better off. And most importantly, why is everything somehow this crime against humanity? Couldn't it be possible? Let's say none of the other stuff had happened. Couldn't the kid just have been wrong? Can't we just say that? When, when Desha- was it Deshaun Jackson from the Eagles uh, was quoting these Hitler quotes. It turns out they were fake Hitler quotes and talking about Louis Farrakhan. We said right here, I, I said it on this show, I don't, I don't want him canceled. I want him to understand how wrong he is. Isn't that the argument to end the cancel culture? But no, here's uh, Karen Phillips, who, C-A-R-R-O-N is how you spell his name, uh, who wants to engage cancel culture on a, on a 10-year-old. And before doing so, didn't say, hey, let me try and learn something about this kid. Let me see if there's anything here. Didn't care. Saw something that would fulfill the agenda of how good he is. And it didn't matter who he destroyed in the process. That's the evil. 
That is the evil of all of this DEI. Uh, the 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 real rank bigotry in this is that it gives some people this this perceived bit of moral superiority. It doesn't matter who they destroy to get it. Wait until you learn how selfish these moves and maneuvers are. It isn't to create a better something. Virtue signaling is all about being selfish. And usually I have no issue with being selfish. I think people can be selfish all they want. But to be self, if I have a business and the business makes me a billion dollars a year and I decide not to give it to charity, but I decide to just sit on it, well, it's my business. I don't have to give it to charity. If you think it's selfish, I, I don't care. I'm the one who made the money. I made it legally. Leave me alone. In the case of Karen Phillips, he's so selfish that he didn't care who he destroyed in order to get himself some attention to engage that virtue signaling. That's what DEI does. That's what all that so-called critical thinking does. All that critical race theory nonsense. It allows for attacks and destruction so you can prove yourself worthy to, I don't know whom, people you would destroy tomorrow because it would also prove you worthy. That's the other part of the evil. If showing yourself as a virtue signaler, showing yourself worthy by knocking down other people is your methodology, well, then you always have to knock down other people because you always have to be seen as worthy. How, do, how does that cycle end? Uh, the correct answer is that cycle doesn't end. That's what makes it so damn evil. Because it is. It's just evil. Oh, I hope they sue. I saw somebody put on social media. If you need help with the uh, lawsuit, uh, ju just let me know. Happy to help the funding. Uh, honestly, uh, I, 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 think we, uh, I think we should. I think we should all help with the funding. Time for some people to learn some lessons. Um, do actual journalism and leave 10-year-olds alone. I think the kid's 10. Just that easy. I didn't realize that that would have to be said in 2023, except, of course, that has to be said in 2023. Journalists should do real journalism and maybe, just maybe, leave 10-year-olds alone. I think that's good, practical advice. I'm Tony Katz. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today. So Black Friday was a success, kind of. The story that, that I have, no, admittedly the story is from yesterday, there are probably some more stories out today, Shopper turnout across websites and stores was at an all-time high. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. An all-time high, 200.4 million over a five-day weekend. Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday. This according to the National Retail Federation. So this is, this is um, what they have for us. But it gets a little interesting that shoppers shelled out an average of $321.41 on holiday-related purchases over the weekend. So $321. That's roughly in line with last year. Now, now I have to stop. How is it that the turnout 
was an all-time high, but the average was the same. Are you saying that more people bought, spent $321? Or are you saying that even with more people out, the total average was $321? These are two very, very different things. And I would like to know which, which one it is. If I take a look, uh, I, I've got multiple stories here. Here's Forbes. Holiday season is off to a record start with over 200 million shoppers during Black Friday weekend. I'll admit when I'm wrong because everything was setting up for, yeah, this was not going to be a good holiday season. But you have the National Retail Federation saying we had a very big weekend. This was a major holiday, a record setter. But was it a record center for the amount of money spent or the amount of people out? Meaning, did the people actually spend less per person, but more people were out, so therefore you had higher averages? According to the Retail Federation, uh, it was up 2% over last year in terms of the number of people. And we know that prices are more expensive. So when you tell me that the number was flat to last year at this $321, I'm asking the question, so does that mean less things were actually purchased? But is it more than you expected so you're still kind of happy? Well, total online spending for the five-day holiday period, remember, Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday, was $38 billion. This according to Adobe Analytics, which is up 7.8% year over year. But it doesn't answer the question. The question is, What about the increase in prices? What was actually sold versus the amount they were sold for? The amount of online spend between November 1st and uh, 6 p.m. on Cyber Monday, $105.2 billion. I have no idea if that's um, a a record or, or, or not. Shopify says that merchants broke records for the holiday weekend, ringing up over $9 billion, $9.3 billion in online and in-store sales from Black Friday to Cyber Monday, up 24% over the same period in 2022. What I need to know from those retailers is, did they sell more goods or did the goods they sell just happen to cost more? According to the National Retail Federation, they're confident that consumers will meet the group's forecast of 3 to 4% sales growth this year. Still doesn't answer the question. Now, uh, for, for the sake of, of clarity, and, and it's a constant reminder, I want people, uh, these stores to be doing well, I want these businesses to be doing well. While I think people should have savings and serious levels of savings, it shouldn't all be all about spending. I'm very happy to see if people are feeling good and out there spending and they actually think that the economy has a turnaround. I'm I'm overjoyed by that idea. I don't know where it comes from. Oh, because inflation is is gone. It's not gone. It's flat to to the last month. It's not gone at all. The Fed has not said they're going to reduce rates, even though you've got people uh, out there who are betting money on the idea that interest rates uh, in terms of the federal funds rate is going to go down a near percent in 2024. That's guesswork. That's where the futures are. Uh, Where is the average person? The average person spent more? I would like to know. Did the average person spend more and did they get more for it? Are they feeling better? I'd be happy if they were. I just don't know where it's coming from. And I'm not trying to 
play naive, I'm stating that the idea that this economy is in a great place is a laughable proposition. Laughable. But man, the numbers seem to kind of show that they're spending like it. Spending like everything's fine. So we got to dig in on these numbers a little bit. Find everything at TonyKatz.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.